I had my sixtieth birthday in Panama City, Florida, and uh, after church, they gave me a little birthday party in the fellowship hall. The pastor, he was, he was in his forties. He seemed to be so in sympathy with me because I was 60 years of age. And he just kept on saying, poor old Brother Gladys. Poor old Brother Gladys. I feel so sorry for poor old Brother Gladys. Just kept on. I said, Brother Crabtree, it's quite obvious that you don't want to be 60 years of age. If you want me to, I'll talk to the Lord about it for you. He said, no, 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 I want to make it. I want to make it. Thank the Lord. For God has been good to me to let me live 69 years and preach 46 seven. And I wish you'd give me a dozen more. I really do. And you'd be surprised to know how many birthdays I've had right here on this campground. Twenty years ago, I was preaching a camp meeting here on my birthday. Twenty years ago. That's before a lot of you were born. How many of you want to live to be that old? Sure you do. All right, folks. How many of you remember my subject the first night? And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said, Ambushment against the enemy. When are you going to begin? Would you like to stand one more time? Would you please? What a beautiful audience. What a beautiful audience. Beautiful atmosphere. Now, if you want to, I'm not going to tell you to. I told you in the beginning of this camp, I'm not much of a hand to tell people to say praise the Lord. If I tell you to and you say praise the Lord, I don't know whether the Lord would honor that too much. Well, he would honor you being obedient to me. That would be the extent of it. But just to tell you to say praise the Lord and then you say praise the Lord, why? That would be like me telling this brother to go there and tell Brother Lumpkin, I appreciate you. Brother Lumpkin wouldn't know whether he did or not. He just obeyed me. But if you want to, now if you don't have a praise for the Lord, I wouldn't be a hypocrite. I wouldn't praise him. But if you want to and you have a praise, I'm going to give you a few moments to praise him right now.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read my thought to you that I'm going to introduce to you and introduce my subject before I allow you to be seated. I'm reading from the second chapter of the book of Acts, verses 37 and 38. The second chapter of the book of Acts, verses 37 and 38. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm rereading verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For my subject tonight, I'm going to preach from this thought, from these verses, our beautiful plan of salvation. And I'm going to place emphasis on the beauty of it. I've been preaching Acts 2.38 a long, long, long time. But a short time ago, the Lord deeply convicted me. He said, we have never taken time to show an audience of people the beauty of this blood-purchased salvation. We've always, always threatened people with it. We've made it undesirable to them. We've made it unwanted by them, by the way we present it. And God never intended for us to stuff it in a gun barrel and explode it in the face of an audience. We have a most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful plan of salvation. I'm taking nothing away from the essentiality of it, nothing. But I'm just going to show you it's beautiful and not ugly. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our beautiful, beautiful plan of salvation. Before I allow you to be seated, further. Harden told me 
and I came in last night with this little cup of water, a precious little boy said, as I walked by, hmm, you're not supposed to drink in here. That makes me feel bad. And for many, many years I didn't. But of late in camp meetings to keep my voice, I do take a little water as I go along. Son, wherever you are, will you please understand that? And don't bring no water for yourself. Just let me do it. You may be seated. I want to reason with you for just a few minutes. Why, why wouldn't God provide for us a beautiful plan of salvation? Because he has made everything else so beautiful. God, in the beginning, created this world for us. He created it for us. Then, in this world that he created, he supplied everything for us that we would need. Our sustainment is found on the earth. Everything he created, whether it be an insect, fowl, or a varmint, fish, or what, he created something to sustain us. Everything he created, he provided for us. And at the same time that he created a world, an earth, for us to live on and to sustain us, he beautified it for our own pleasure. There is many places in this world that about all you can say about it, and that's enough, but all you can say, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Some of you that listen to me tonight, I'm going to remind you of some beautiful sights that you have seen in this world that God created, and he created it just for you to look at and stand in amazement and wonder as you gazed and commented of its beauty. I thank the Lord for everything that God has let me see that he created. Just a short time ago, I was down in the very beautiful blue waters of the Caribbean, down in Jamaica, looking at that blue water, watching the Dunn River as it flows from up a mountain down just like it was coming down stone steps one step at a time, making its way to the beautiful blue waters. I just stood there in amazement, and all I could say for it, I didn't see a thing else it was doing, but just 
holding the attention of tourists as they stood and stared and gazed at its beauty. There have multiplied millions of people that made their way to beautiful Niagara Falls and stood in amazement. I'm making you think of beautiful places that you've seen across the world to see it, across the country to see it, spend thousands of dollars just to behold its beauty. God didn't have to create that for you, but he created it beautiful just for you, just for you. Then I think of many beautiful flowers that this world could have gotten along without. But think of their beauty. I'm going to mention the rose because that's my choice flower. That beautiful blood red rose. That beautiful snow white rose. That beautiful pink rose. That beautiful yellow rose. Why did God create that for you, for you to see, for you to enjoy, beautiful, beautiful to behold, the beautiful sunset, the beautiful sunrise, the beautiful blue sky, just the beautiful earth, flying across the country on a clear, beautiful day, and look down upon the earth and just, just look in amazement at the beauty of it. Praise God. God didn't have to beautify this earth, but he did for our pleasure. And I thank him for it. Just look here tonight at the beautiful colors. What if there was only one color, just one color, and all of us? dressed in that same color. Just look at the colors over this audience tonight. God created all of these colors. And I don't want to stop there. Aren't you happy, ladies, that in his kindness and goodness he made you beautiful? Aren't you you could be the ugliest-looking human being that ever lived, but God in his goodness made you beautiful. Then beautified you with salvation. I do believe tonight that our precious visitors, and I think it's so nice of them, men that are so busy and so schedule is so full to take off to come to be with us tonight. They have honored us with their presence. But I do believe that the governor-elect and his wife would agree with me, this is a most beautiful audience, a most beautiful. You look so clean. Why, God didn't have to make brothers CLD handsome. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to make you men handsome. Didn't have to. 
but in his goodness, he's made you beautiful and he's made you handsome. One mother that mothered several children, she confessed in her beautiful way, I never did pray that God would make a one of my children beautiful. I just asked for all of them to be well and healthy, and I would be satisfied. But said, did you know there isn't an ugly one in the bunch? Wasn't God good? Wasn't he good? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then I think of what I read in the Bible about the place he's gone to prepare for. I just, what I can read, he's gone to prepare a place for us. And the description the scripture gives, it's beautiful. It's just got to be beautiful. Gates of pearl, walls of death. Streets of gold, beautiful river flowing down through the city, beauty, beauty. I have not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. Now I said all of that coming to this thought. If God would be so mindful to make everything else he created attractive and beautiful and desirable, wanted, appreciated. Why do you think he would give us an ugly, undesirable, unwanted plan of salvation to take us from this beautiful world to that beautiful city? God has given us a beautiful plan of salvation. And I'm going to place emphasis on the beauty of it. Praise God. I'm going to show you the beauty of repentance. And I'm taking nothing away from the importance of it. Repentance is a necessity. Jesus said of a people, that were questioning him about the Galileans that Pilate had mingled their blood with their sacrifices. And Jesus said, do you think that these Galileans were sinners above all others? Yea, I say unto thee, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Do you think those men on whom that power at Siloam fell, do you think they were sinners above other sinners? No. Yea, I say unto thee, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus preached repentance. John the Baptist preached repentance. The prophets preached repentance. The apostles preached repentance. But they never did preach it ugly because it's something that is necessary 
doesn't make it something undesirable. Repentance is a beautiful word. Do you know the actual meaning of the word repentance? The meaning of the word repentance is this. I regret what I have done. I regret what I have done. I am sorry for it. And I'm going to turn around, change my way of living. If that isn't a beautiful privilege, I'd like for you to show me one. Praise God. Repentance means I'm going the wrong way. And I realize I'm on the wrong road, going in the wrong direction. And I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to turn around and go in the opposite direction and go in the right direction. That is the meaning of the word repentance. And if that isn't beautiful, my friends, if that isn't beautiful, you tell me something that is. You tell me something that is. Come here, Bob Lacey. Come here. I'm glad you happen to be sitting right there. This is one of my boys. I baptized him in Jesus' name. I, I don't mean my boy in the flesh, but he's just about it. God bless him. You know where he was the first time I saw him? Locked up in Borgard Parish Jail in Derrida, Louisiana. Guilty of nine charges. Already had his trial. His dear parents hired the best lawyers they could find. Left the city of Derrida and brought lawyers from other cities. Spent much, much money trying to clear their son, but they couldn't. He, don't mind me saying this, he testifies to it himself. He is the first young man to bring dope into high school in Derrida, Louisiana. He was not only a user, but a pusher. He went into the wholesale business. He had others under him. The parish officers, city officers, and even some state officers planned the raid. They planned it for weeks. They, they found out who they wanted, who was pushing, who was selling, who was using, where they were, where they were doing it. They investigated for weeks and finally found out. The night of the raid came. It so happened that a man in our church, belonged to our church, was an officer and arrested Bob. Found him, found him with selling, found it on him, found him using it. Franklin Miller handcuffed him with tears rolling down his teeth. Said, son, I hate to do this. Oh, how I hate to arrest you and take you to jail. Took him weeping, took him crying, and locked him up. He had his trial, found guilty of nine charges. He's yet not sentenced, locked up in jail. I was at the post office, felt like visiting Bob Lacey in jail. I'd never seen him, just felt to go see him. 
The jailer let me in. I went into his bunk, into his cell. We sat down on an old cold bunk, and I couldn't feel no leading to talk to him. I couldn't feel no Holy Ghost urge to witness to him. I never preached a bit to him, just sit there and talk. And finally, I could get no leading from God. I just stood up to leave. And when I stood up, he stood up. And when I, he did, I just pulled him over on my shoulder. And I went to weeping. And I wept on that shoulder, just shook and sobbed. He went to sobbing on mine. And then I said to tears, Bob, there's a minister in this city that loves you. I represent a church that loves you. And I turned him loose and walked out. Bob turned to that old bunk for an altar. Never been in a Pentecostal church. Knew nothing about one. He fell at that old bunk. And he said, God, whatever made Franklin Miller weep when he handcuffed me, whatever made Brother Glass weep when he said he loved me, I don't know what that is. But whatever it is, I want it. And God filled it with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Look at that clean-cut young man. If that isn't beautiful, you tell me something that is. I went to the sheriff. I said, Paul, I want to baptize Bob Lacey in Jesus' name. All right, Brother Glass, you can take him and baptize him. Took him to church. He sat on the front seat. He's a prisoner. He's, he's just from the jailhouse. He's going back just as soon as he's baptized or after the service is over. Baptized him in Jesus' name. Took him back to jail in four months. They let him out on probation. I'll never forget the first time he walked in church. I was in the pulpit, and I saw him come in the front door, a free man on probation. He walked down that aisle like he was wanting to run down it. He had spring in his heels. He sat down on the front seat. I said, Bob, get up from there and go back to that door and walk down that aisle just like you did just now. And he did. If I'd have told him to crawl down the aisle, he would have. And he went, and he come walking down. It was spring. He set that church of fire just walking down the aisle. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He dedicated, surrendered his life to God in two years or thereabouts. He's never been sentenced. If he would have been sentenced, for those nine charges that he was found guilty of, he, he would have had to serve each charge. He would have had 50 years to serve. But in two years, he got a letter from Governor Edwards. He brought it into my study. He said, read this, Brother Glass. And I read it. Dear Bob, I am advising you, you are no longer on probation. You are restored to citizenship. Praise God. He said, Bob, I hear you're going to church. I hear you're preaching some. Keep up the good work. Now listen, folks, 
If that isn't a beautiful plan of salvation, I want you to tell me what is. Prison bars couldn't do it. Jailhouses couldn't do it. Handcuffs couldn't do it. But we cannot, we cannot turn it around. Brother, it's a privilege to repent. I know it's necessary. I know it's essential. But I'm not going to throw it on you like a club over your head. I'm going to tell you it's one of the most God-given privileges man could have to be privileged to turn around and go the opposite direction. Let me ask you good people this, and I know you can reason with it. You read in the Bible where there was a young man, comfortably well-situated, but he decided he wanted to leave his father's house and get out in this world for himself. And he went, and he spent everything he had in riotous living. He found himself in a hog pen. He found himself eating the husk that came from the food of the hogs. He was taught all of his life not to even eat hog meat, but he's gotten so low and so far from home, he's eating the food that the hogs ate. That's how far from home he is. That's how far off he is. But that young man came to himself. What if he couldn't have done that? He said, why the servants in my father's house have more than I have? I'm going to get out of this hog pen. I'm a going home. I'm a going home. What if he couldn't have done that? What if he hadn't had that privilege? I tell you, repentance is a privilege. Come out of sin. Get out of sin. Come home to God. Give your heart to the Lord. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. I'm preaching about something beautiful tonight. I'm going to have to get off it and get on something else. And I know I get hung up here. But I got one more thought on repentance I want to bring to your thinking that possibly you haven't thought of. I referred to the 10th chapter of Acts last night. That's just one of my choice chapters. And I so regret you that remember what I said about the 10th chapter of Acts last night, telling you about reading it to that distinguished gentleman in Lake City, starting at the first verse and starting off with, he was from Lake City and gave his name. Then the second verse, I gave it just like it is in the Bible, then went through the book with him. I didn't tell you. But that gentleman came back the next night and received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. That's a very beautiful chapter. Very beautiful. You know how it starts off, Cornelius is praying. And the Lord sends an angel and tells him to send a Joppa. And he'll find Peter lodged at a tanner's house by the name of Simon. You'll find him lodged there. 
And I want you to notice how beautiful this is worded. It didn't say he'll tell you, he'll come and tell you what to do to be saved. Wisdom is slipping up on the blind side of Cornelius. We need wisdom to win souls. We need wisdom to win souls. He did not say he'll come and tell you what to do to be saved. He said he'll tell you what to do, what you ought to do, what you ought to do. And I use that on this gentleman. Well, Peter came, and Peter began preaching to them. And while he was preaching, while he was yet preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word. You know, a lot of people think the Holy Ghost fell on everyone in Cornelius' house. But it didn't say that. It fell on all of those that heard the word. It'll fall on all that are here the word tonight. Don't close your heart against the word. Let the word enter your heart. Let it come on down inside and believe it and God will fill you tonight. Well, the 11th chapter starts off by Peter being called to headquarters. He's got to go before the general board. He's going on the carpet. And he's going to have to tell why he preached to Gentiles. And he went. He went. And he explained to all the apostles just why he went. He explained how God had to deal with him. I'm going to read a few of the last verses that I want to read. Here in the 11th chapter. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Now Peter is explaining to the apostles in Jerusalem. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now here's what I was reading down to. When they, the apostles, James and John, Bartholomew, the other apostles, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted, granted, granted repentance unto life. Brother, if that isn't a privilege, tell me what is. The apostle said, Then God hath granted hath granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. You better thank God for the privilege you have of repenting. It's a grant from God. Do you understand it? It's a grant. You know what a grant is. 
Why, it's a whole lot different than me getting a hold of this young man saying, Oh, boy, if you, go, if you don't repent, you're going to split hell wide open. It's, it, here's, here's the way I should say it, son. God in his goodness sees you in your sinful condition, and he's squirting under you. He's privileging you. He's so good. He's giving you the opportunity and the time to turn around and go back the other direction. That's repentance unto life. Praise the Lord. You're looking at one that blesses the day that I realized I had the privilege to repent. I can show you some in the Bible, one in particular that so sinned against God, he sought a place of repentance all the rest of the days of his life, and he couldn't find it. He couldn't find it. But I can show you a place of repentance tonight, and I can introduce to you a God that has granted you the glorious privilege to repent. Now, I want, to, I want to come to my second thought. I sure hate to take out my watch. Don't just don't do, I'm going to do any good, just well leave it in my pocket. The next thought is, after you have repented, the next thought is, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. What a privilege. What a privilege. Who in this audience can conscientiously stand up and say one thing against being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Who died for your sin? Who died for you? Who went to Calvary for you? Who hung suspended between heaven and earth for you? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What a beautiful name. What a majestic name. Sweetest name ever spoken on mortal tongue. No name to be compared to the name Jesus. So precious. I know names that mean so much to me. Don't mean a thing to you. But brother, they mean something to me. My dear wife goes by the name of Mert. Her name is Murdered, but we call her Mert. That don't mean nothing to you. But I don't know what I'd give if I could see her sitting there tonight supporting me while I preach. Mert. Mert. You know, my name is George, and I never did like it. Never did. Until I had a son. And they named him George. 
And now I think it's one of the most beautiful names you ever heard. Jim, Mary, Net, Jeanette sitting over here calling Net. Aren't those beautiful names? They mean to, but they are not to be compared with me to the precious, adorable, glorious, wonderful name Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus. Jesus. I, I thrill at just being by myself and saying, Jesus. Jesus. And it seems like the more I say it sincerely, the closer I get to him. Jesus. 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 Oh, I know, I know where a lot of people go when I talk about being baptized in that precious name of Jesus. I know where your mind goes. No exactly. I was in a revival in Pensacola, and we were having a revival, not just a meeting, a revival. The assistant pastor, Paul Welch, came to the platform, and he pointed to a lady. And when I looked, the lady smiled. She was a visitor. He said, Brother Glass, you see that lady? She wants to talk to you about the scripture. I wish you would go back there and talk to her. I went and I sat down by this nice lady visiting the church. She said, Brother Glass, right there, pointed to the scripture, right there, right there, Brother Glass, the Lord told me to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I said, no, he never. She looked at me. Why, you a preacher? And you don't know that? I said, lady, the Lord did not say that to you. He did not tell you that. Brother Glass. I just read it before you got down here. I wanted to be real sure before you come. He did say it. I said, lady, the Lord did not tell you that. Brother Glad, he did read it. I said, no, you have your Bible open. You read it. And she said, I will. Brother, she seemed to be glad for the privilege of reading it to the preacher. And she started, Go ye therefore. I stopped her. I said, Is he talking to you? Go ye therefore. Is he talking to you? Her expression came. Do you know what the word bumfuzzle means? She looked bumfuzzled. She looked like she wished she hadn't a cent for me. To save her embarrassment, I said, read on. And she read on. And teach all nations. I said, lady, was he speaking to you? And she came to answer me. A few minutes ago, she's appointing to it. Saying, right here, God told me 
to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. She wants me to read it. I have her reading it. And she wishes she was home. To save her embarrassment, I said, read on. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I said, now, lady, I have not pressed you for an answer. I haven't pressed you. But you sent for me. And you said that that birth, in that birth, the Lord told you to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. I said, now I want you to answer me. Was the Lord talking to you? And she said, Brother Grass, he wasn't. He wasn't. I said, right you are. Right you are. He was not talking to you. Now I said, I want you to answer this question. Who was he talking to? anyone in water until they first know what the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is. up to the 16th verse, it'll tell you. I said, read the 16th verse. He read it. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, a private place. I said, could you tell me why there's eleven? He said, yes. Judas is the carrot, has betrayed him. I said, you're right. You're right. Now he is speaking only to his eleven disciples. He is not preaching in a camp meeting. He's not preaching to a, uh, just a mixed audience of people. He's not on the banks of Galilee. He's up in a mountainous place with his eleven preachers telling them, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You go, you go, you go. I told the lady, if he's talking to you, you ought to have already been gone. I said, now, do you understand who that 11 is? She said, yes, it's the apostle. I said, all right, if you'll turn to the book of Acts, it actually inherited its title. Acts of 
the apostles. The correct meaning, the apostles in action. The apostles acting out the commission. Now I want to ask you, how did the apostles baptize? He said they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Every apostle baptized their candidate in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! He said, Brother Glass, I see that. Well, who can't see that? Who can't see that? But close eyes, you can see that. She said, I see it. She said, I see it. But she said, you know, she's not going to give up easy. She said, Brother Glass, I don't think it makes any difference how you're baptized. I don't think it makes any difference. Just so you're baptized. I said, all right. I'm going to ask you a question now. And I complimented her. I said, I've talked long enough to you to see that you're quite a, uh, well versed in the scripture. You know the Bible pretty well. I, I, I wanted her to feel real good. I'm keeping her feeling good. I don't want her mad at me. And, and I said, now I believe you can answer this question. Did it make any difference what river Naaman dipped in? Now that dumb falls to look again. She said, it makes no difference how you're baptized. I said, did it make any difference what river Naaman dipped in? Of all the rivers there were in the world, he could get just as wet in one as he would the other. But God's not interested in you just getting wet. If that's all God wanted, he could get you wet whether you wanted to or not. God is after obedience. God has a plan for you to be saved. And she studied, and I gave her plenty of time to study. I didn't rush her. I just let her think. And I saw her expression change, and I know she has her answer. And she said, Brother Glass, I'll tell you why Naaman had to go dip in Jordan. You see, Naaman thought, if I got to dip, well, why can't I go to the rivers of my own land? That's what people say today. If I need to be baptized, what difference does it make? how I'm baptized. I'll tell you the difference it might make whether you're saved or lost. I'll tell you the difference it made with Naaman whether you're healed or die a leper. That's quite a difference. You can get wet in the rivers of Damascus, but if you want to healing, go to Jordan, like the Lord said. And she said, Brother Glass, I'll tell you why that Naaman had to go to Jordan. I said, all right. She said, Naaman was uh, quite a, a man, captain of the Syrian host. He was right up next to the king. He was rich. He brought silver and gold and changes of raiment to pay for his healing. He was a celebrity. He was a man of means. He was proud. He was heavy. He was starchy. And to humble him, the Lord made him go to Jordan to dip, just to make him humble. He felt so proud of her answer. 
I said, all right, lady, I've got one more statement, one more. Are you too rich? Are you too proud? Are you too stiff? Are you too heavy? Are you too high-minded to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? She threw up her hand and said, you win. It's a secret. It's no longer a secret. 
don't even know how to spell depression. You don't know a thing in the world about it. That's right, brother. I started in depression. I'd preach a week and get my Sunday night offering. They'd always put it in this coat pocket, and it'd go down like that. You'd see me, boy, you thought I had a pocket full of money. And I'd get home, and I'd pull it all out and count it. Now, you're going to laugh. My boys laugh. They both passed in churches. They laugh. They laugh when I talk about it. You young preachers, you're going to laugh. I'd count that offering, a hundred, maybe five, ten, or fifteen pennies, six or seven nickels, occasionally a dime and sell them a quarter. That's for preaching a week. Some of you young preachers, you need a little schooling. Year of 1936, let's go back how many years ago? 42 years ago, I took one of the biggest churches in, in Texas, Faith Tabernacle, a pulled out of Texas. Brother Freeman, you remember. That biggest church in Texas didn't even have a bank account. Didn't even have a bank account. And don't laugh. You will. You will. But if I'd ever been in a bank, I didn't remember it. Never had no occasion for going in a bank. Past bombs knew what it was. And I went to Port Arthur, just a young preacher, and I never thought to ask them anything about their property. I thought they owned it. It's just a hall of a tabernacle. And I wasn't there but about a month till I learned that that building was erected on a lease lot with no option to renew the lease, and the lease had run out for over three years. Like to have scared me stiff. I knew any minute they could tell us to get out. It would only be their goodness that would let us move the building. 
All we could take out of the building if they so demanded was what was loose. If the pews was fastened to the floor like yours, we couldn't even take them out. But if this water cup's loose, I could take it. That's all you could take. It frightened me. No money. No money. I prayed you talk about praying, praying, praying. And believe it or not, we had a permanent sign on that building, church every night at 7.30. I preach every night. Close the Bible on Sunday night and preach Monday night. Shift workers. Somebody every night. I tell them at the church, take your wives home. Come back and pray with me. We gotta pray. And, and I was looking for property all the time. I was expecting them to tell me to get out. And I was hunting property. And I located a lot up on Thomas and Freeport. You, some of you preachers, God bless you. you. You stay with me. I'm having a time of my life here tonight. Praise the Lord. I located the lot. I needed $450 for a down payment. That sounded like $45,000 tonight. $450 for a man I was preaching for $10 a week. And that is big money. I was accused of making more money than any preacher in the country. And my income was $10 a week. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Some of you young whippersnappers. Some of you young preachers can't start off preaching unless you got a big automobile, $300 note, five or six or seven suits of clothes, got to have a change of suit every night. God bless your heart. I preached in the same old suit every night. Half sold you shoes of cardboard. I come from a long ways, brethren. And I found that lot, and I had to have $450, and the church didn't have $50. But thank God, I had opened an account in a department store and made friends with the old lady that owned it. Her husband died and left her with it. Had her come into church at the time or two. She's a quite wealthy old lady, old German lady. I'll never forget her kindness to me. I went to her office. I said, Miss Beth, I want to talk to you. Come on in, Brother Glass. I just laid the cards on the table just like they were. We'd already been notified that we had three months to get off. We could take the building if we could get off of the property in three months. And I said, Mrs. Beth, I've got to have $450 to tie that lot up. I've got to have it. She said, is that your way? I said, yes. She said, go up to the First National Bank and get a note for $450. And I was actually ashamed to tell her, I don't know how to go get a note. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm exposed in my ignorance. I know I am. But God bless you if you'd have lived back in those days. You may have been worse off than that. I'm telling you the truth. Is there anyone here who remembers those days? Would you raise your hand? You exposing your age? I went up to the bank 
I want you to listen to me. I didn't tell her to explain to me all about it. I didn't want her to think I was that ignorant of it. I was afraid she wouldn't let me have it. I went up to the bank, and I got in that bank, and I looked around. And I'm going to tell you preachers, and I'm embarrassing you here before your governor, and I can't help it. He's laughing about it. God bless him. Praise the Lord. I looked all around. Just looked all around. And over there, I went to say, tell her. I started to go over there and tell her. I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad I didn't. I looked around more and I saw notes. And I said, that's what I want, a note. And I went over to the window and I said to the man, I want a note for $450. And he looked down at me and said, you want a what? A note for $450. He looked at me. He stared at me. I'm glad he couldn't see my knees. I'm glad he couldn't. And he said, how do you want this? I said, I'm getting a little ahead of my story here now. He got the note. He got the note. He filled it out. He showed me where to sign it and where to get it indoors. And I went and got her signature on it. And I brought it back to him. I pushed it under that window. And he looked at the note. He picked it up and he looked at it. And he looked at me. He looked at the note. He looked at me. He looked at the note. And you know it began to dawn on me. He's not dealing with me now. He's not dealing with me now. He's dealing with a name on that note. He's dealing with a name on that note. I like to shout it. I like to got a blessing there. Praise God. I go to God in a name that heaven recognizes. Heaven can't turn it down. Heaven can't turn it down. That man looked at me. He looked at the note. And that's when he said, how do you want it? You want it deposited or do you want it cash? I said, I want it cash. He cashed it out to me. My name wasn't worth a flip. Wasn't worth nothing. But I had a name on that note that that man had to recognize. Oh, friends, I tell you this. When you go to God in the name of Jesus, heaven. You may be a nobody in this world, just like I was. You may be a sinner. You may have committed enough sins to place you in the bottomless pits of hell. But if you go to God in the name of Jesus, Jesus, that's the saving name of heaven. The only name given unto heaven among men whereby you must be saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Don't tell me that's not beautiful. Don't tell me. I'm not through. But I got another thought now. I'm going to, I'm coming in. Repent. What a privilege. Beautiful privilege. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That 
beautiful name, that sacred name. Oh, what a name. What a name, what a name. Then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall, you shall receive the gift, the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who's going to tell me that God, that God would not give beautiful gifts? Who's going to stand up and say that? And some of us take the Holy Ghost and wrap it up in such packages we run people away from our churches with it. What is the most glorious gift God has ever given to man? Gift! The Holy Ghost is a gift of God! You shall receive a gift! Let me tell you, friends, you do not earn the Holy Ghost. You do not merit the Holy Ghost. You cannot work for the Holy Ghost. I tell people, if you want something, you buy. Pay for it and buy it. You get it. If you want something that you merit, merit it. If you want something you work for, work for it. But if you want a gift, receive it. And the Holy Ghost is the gift of God. And he wants to give it to you tonight. Young preacher, we was in such a meeting as this. There was a half a dozen or so younger preachers over here. They saw me coming. And I think they kind of plotted it. The way it looked to me. I was walking by and one of them came out and met me. And he said it loud enough that all those over there could hear it. Brother Glass, do you believe you can be saved without the Holy Ghost? He wanted me to say yes or no. But I disappointed I disappointed Now, I, brothers, there's none of you believe in the new birth anymore, not there. Not a one of you. Not a one of you. But here's what I said. Here's the way I answered. Do you want to be? Do you want to be saved without the gift of God? Are you telling God I'd like for you to save me. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me of my sins. I'll be buried in your name. But I don't want your gift. I don't want it. You'd insult most anyone. If they offered you any kind of a gift, if you didn't take it. I got a shower and necktie one time. And I got one that I didn't want to wear to a dog bite. 
that was the loudest thing I ever looked at. I was afraid I'd flag the traffic. But it was a gift. It was a gift. One rainy night, when I didn't think there'd hardly be anybody there, and I didn't know who gave the time. And, and it was a bad night, and I knew the crowd would be small, and boy, I buckled along. And I went to church, and after church, a lady walked up to me and said, I wondered if you was going to ever wear that tie. She watched to see if I was going to accept that gift. That gift. I want to tell you the gift God gives is not cheap. You could usually determine the worth of a gift by the giver. By the giver. Did you hear me? What kind of a gift do you think God would give? Are you going to sit out there and tell me you don't want God's gift? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen if the Lord reason with people. If your child would ask of you for a piece of bread, would you give it a stone? I don't know why the Lord uses three so many places, and I'm not going to get on that. I'd, I, I, I'd, I'd indulge more, but he uses three so many places. Many places. If your child had asked you for a piece of bread, uh, for a stone, a piece of bread, would you give it a stone? Giving them time to think. Giving them time to think. If your child were to ask of you for a piece of fish, would you give it a serpent? They think it. Then it comes with the third. If your child was to ask of you a head, would you give it a scorpion? And they've answered in their mind, no. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost of them that ask him? Brother, I'm preaching to you as you people, God-given plan of salvation that will take you to the new Jerusalem. Beautiful, 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 the wonderful gift of God. Oh, sure, without his spirit, you're none of his. But what a privilege it is to have his spirit. Beautiful plan of salvation. Oh, praise God. I'm not through, but I'm going to quit. Children, don't, don't disturb, don't run. But there's a lot of vacant seats back there. I want you to go get one of those seats. 
Don't run now. Don't go like nice for you. You've been sweet children here on this earth. I want you to stand with me, please. I want you to stand. Oh, everybody to stand. Everybody to stand. How many of you appreciate what I preached to you about tonight? Thank you. 